So we're doing Jonah. We're, we're walking through this story. Um, if you weren't here last week, we did Jonah chapter 1. Uh, at the beginning, after we read, uh, at the beginning, I'll, I'll lead us into that part, remind us what we sort of went through, um, and, then, uh, and then we'll get into Jonah chapter 2. Um, so, uh, yeah, the focus will be Jonah 2, the whole chapter. You'll find it on the, on the screen behind me or up there uh, on the screen before you if you're watching at home or if you got it with you. That's great. I forgot to mute my watch and my dad just texted. So he's watching, so I got to make fun of him a little bit. Um, Okay, before we read, let's pray uh, together. God, once again, oh my goodness, thank you for this book. Uh, it is a treasure. It is that, that big, huge library of books that, that reveals to us the, the struggles of the people of God as, we, as we've come to know you. And through it, you, you reveal yourself to us. Like your, your very heart comes through. And then as we read it together as a people and we speak these words out loud and we enter into these stories, somehow, some way, your voice is the voice that, that, that speaks. Your voice somehow is the voice that we hear. And so we ask for that to happen again. And we acknowledge the, the, the miracle that is, that that is. Uh, we, we acknowledge the, the wonder that that is, the how can that be, and yet somehow that's what we experience. So come Holy Spirit upon us, we pray, help that to happen again. Help us to hear what, what we need to hear so that we become who you want us to become. In Jesus' name, amen. So the end of last chapter, before we get to chapter 2, goes like this, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. Your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head to the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. My life was ebbing away. I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. 
but I, with the song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. That's a story right there. So we're in this book, this little book, creatively entitled Jonah, because it's about this guy named Jonah, right? And so we just want to remind ourselves how the story is unfolding, how the flow of the story works so that we can live into it again, because what happened before, you know, sort of informs what's happening now in chapter two. So Jonah is a prophet. And here's the thing about prophets. You have, to, you have to have a certain amount of guts to be a prophet because prophets are agitators. Prophets are disturbers of the peace. Prophets are always hitting people where they don't want to be hit. They're telling the truth that no one wants to tell and absolutely no one wants to hear, right? So the prophets are, man, they got guts. It's hard to do what prophets do. So when the word of the Lord comes to Jonah and the word of the Lord, Jonah, son of Amittai, says, I want you to go to Nineveh, not just any city, the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it. When the word of the Lord comes to this prophet Jonah, who's supposed to have guts, he doesn't show any of the guts that prophets are supposed to show. No backbone, no spine. In fact, instead, he runs. Right? He doesn't go to Nineveh, which is 550 miles to the east, No, he heads for a place called Tarshish, which is 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. You can't go any more in the opposite direction than Jonah was going as he headed to Tarshish. He, He bolts. He runs the opposite way, right? He's running. Why? Because he's afraid. Remember, remember Nineveh. Nineveh is the place you don't go because these are, these are Israel's enemies. So Nineveh is the place of fear. Nineveh is the last place on earth any of us want to go. So he runs, but he runs to a place called Tarshish. Why would he go to Tarshish? Well, Tarshish was a place of built on, built on commerce, built on an opportunity for wealth, to build something for yourself. To sort of, so what he's doing is he's running away from his old life, his life with God. And he's like, nah, 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 I'm going to go to Tarshish where I can take control of my own life. I'm going to go to Tarshish where I can build something for my own self. I can fill, I can, I can build my own destiny. I can do this thing my own way. So he's running away from God and he's going to do things on his own. Well, God sees that and God's not too pleased with it. So God sends a, a great wind, which causes a great storm and while the storm is raging, Jonah's like, uh-oh, I better go below deck. Because if I'm not on top of the deck, maybe the Lord won't see me. Maybe God won't see me. It's so silly. But he goes down below once again. And he falls into a deep sleep. The, the sailors on the, on the top, like they're struggling against the wind and the waves. They don't know what's going on. They're trying to figure out what's happening. And so they pray to their God. The captain goes below and is like, Jonah, what are you doing? You should pray to your God. They cast lots. The short straw goes to Jonah. Finally, Jonah comes out with it and he's like, it's my fault. It's all my fault. Reveals he's running away from the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. The storm is my fault, Jonah says. 
then he says, throw me into the sea and it will become calm. He's finally at the place where he's like, I can't run anymore. I would rather die than run anymore. So these guys, they, they're good people, right? They're compassionate people. They don't want to just chuck him in the ocean. They want to chuck him in the sea, right? So they try and they work really hard, but it doesn't work. So finally, as a last resort, they kind of, they throw him overboard, right? And the sea becomes calm. And the people from Tarshish, these foreigners from Tarshish, who'd never heard of the God of Israel before, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land, they're amazed. And they amazingly begin to believe. And they begin to worship the God that they'd never heard of before. God shows up in Tarshish, even when Jonah makes a mess of things. Oh, so good. So that's where we left Jonah last week. That's where we pick up the story this morning. He's going down. Down. All the way down. He's afraid. Think of it. He thinks he's going to die. He's absolutely beyond desperate. There's nothing left for him to do but allow himself to be taken by the chaotic seas. The, the only thing left is for, for him to allow the, the sea to swallow him whole, right? But God has another idea. And it's sort of a strange idea. Like, if you ask me, this is like weird. This is a strange idea. But it begins to make sense when we think that, that God is the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. While Jonah's drowning, the Lord... The Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. The Lord provided a great fish. Now that word provided, it's a good word, but it might not be the best word to sort of translate the Hebrew word behind the English word that we have provided. It could be translated as, as appointed or as commissioned. So we're talking about a, a governing word here. It's a word that would have been used to describe a king who would send a servant to do official king business. That's the same word we're using here. And while that servant was doing the king's bidding, right, commissioned by the king, the people who he was doing the king's business with, guess what they were supposed to do? They were supposed to accept the servant as if the servant was the king himself. So he's representing the king. That's the kind of word we're using here. So God provides, commissions a great fish representing God himself. So this is a strong word. It's as if God said to the fish, hey, fish, See that guy over there flailing in the water? It looks like he's about to die. And the fish says, well, hello there, God of heaven who made the sea and the land. I see him. What's going on? Okay, I want you to go over there and I want you to listen carefully. I want you to, I want you to don't use your teeth. Swallow him whole. Gag him down if you have to because I need him later. And then I'll tell you where to let him go. Okay? And the fish is like, ah. <sighs> Fine, I can do that. And he swallows him whole. Right? Kind of an odd story, isn't it? Let's just be honest about it. God appoints, commissions, 
a fish. Why does God do that? So God is up to something, clearly. And if we look at the story through chapter 1, if there's one word that's associated with God, it's got to be the word great. This is the word that's most associated with God all throughout the first chapter. At the beginning of the book, God says, Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh. Then Jonah runs the other way. So what does God do? God sends a great wind, which causes a great storm. Then these foreign sailors begin to believe through what? They believe through great fear. Then God appoints a fish to pick up Jonah. But what kind of fish is it? Any guesses? It's a great fish. So clearly God is up to something. And whatever it is that God is up to, it has to be great. So there's this word associated with God throughout all the first chapter. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. If there's a word that's associated with God, is there a word that's associated with the other principal character in the story named Jonah? Yeah, there is. Any guesses? It's okay. You don't have to guess. The word is down. Down is the word that's associated with Jonah. Jonah goes where? Down to Joppa. He goes on a ship down to Tarshish. Then in the ship, where does he go in the ship? He goes down below deck to lay down and take a nap. Then they throw him overboard and he goes where? He goes down in the water. And then he goes down inside the fish. He keeps going down, down, all the way down. And Jonah's finally gone down as far as he can go. And for an Israelite hearing this story, Jonah couldn't get any more farther down than he already is. He's, all, he's down all the way down. The sea is the place of chaos. The sea is the place of great fear. The sea is the place of death. He's down, all the way down. Have you ever been that far down? Have you ever been down there in the belly of the fish at the bottom of the sea? Have you been that far down? Like you don't know which way is up. You don't know which way is down. You don't know which way is right. You don't know which way is left. It's the place of confusion. It's the place of fear. It's the place of, I don't know what's next or what's the next step. I don't know where to go. Have you ever been that far down? Maybe it was, a, maybe it was an illness or an injury. Maybe it was a, an illness or an injury of someone you loved so dearly. Maybe it was a transition time, like, like one part of your life is now coming to an end and it's now over and you got to do something else. And you're like, I just don't know what's next. I don't know which way to go. I don't know which way to turn. But you know that this part of your life is done and there's got to be something else, but you're kind of confused and you don't know where to go. Maybe it's something that happened at school. And it wasn't good. Or maybe something happened at work and it wasn't good. And you're asking yourself, 
what's next? What do I do now? Maybe it was a spiritual crisis. Maybe it is a spiritual crisis, and you don't know what you believe anymore, even if, if you even believe anything at all. And you're like, I don't know if I believe anything right now. Maybe it was a spiritual crisis. Maybe, maybe over the last five or six years, you've looked at, at the, the group of Jesus people that are kind of surrounding us in, this, in the Western world, and you're like, if that's what we're supposed to support, if that's the kind of way I'm supposed to act, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Have you ever been down that far? Have you ever been down in the belly of the fish at the bottom of the sea? Of course you have confusing. We don't know which way is up. We don't know where to go next. We don't know what in the world is happening. We've been there. We've been there together. So what do you do? What do you do when you find yourself all the way down? When you find yourself in the belly of the fish at the bottom of the sea? Like, what's your next move? But what does Jonah do? What does Jonah do? Well, he stops. And he prays. He stops. And he reconnects himself to the divine. He stops because he doesn't have a choice because he's stopped up in the belly of a fish at the bottom of the sea. He stops and he reconnects himself to the divine and he reminds himself who God is. Listen to his prayer. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me from the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. When he finds himself in the guts of a fish, he finally prays. You see, Jonah hadn't prayed in a while. He hadn't communicated with God in a long while. Look at chapter 1. Does he have anything to say to God? Does he have any communication with God whatsoever? It's not there in chapter 1. God calls him to go to Nineveh. And he thinks, nah, man, I'm not going to do that. Doesn't say anything to God. He just goes down to Joppa. Doesn't have a conversation with the divine whatsoever. No, he's like, I'm going to catch a boat to Tarshish. So he gets on a boat to Tarshish. He doesn't have a conversation with God. He just goes. He doesn't pray. He doesn't rely on his relationship with God. He doesn't live into it at all. He just goes. He doesn't pray. He doesn't communicate with the divine until he's down at the bottom of the sea in the belly of a fish. And at this point, he's got nothing else to do. What else do you do? What else do you do when you're at the bottom of the sea in the belly of a fish? When you're down, 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 all the way down, what else can you do? Here's the thing. Why is it that we find it so hard why do we find it so hard to pray regularly? Why do we find it so hard to connect with the divine on a real regular basis, on a deep, deep level? Why is it so hard? Maybe it's because we have so many things to do. Maybe it's because we're, we're just so busy. Maybe it's because our schedules are so jam-packed with so much. Maybe it's because we have so many other things to lean on. Like we've got screens we can turn on. I got a problem, I'm gonna Google that. 
Maybe it's because we have so many other noises we can make and so many other things in our life that can fill our lives that we don't have to deal with what's inside, that we don't have to deal with what's going on in here. Maybe that's why. I don't know. So, so Jonah just keeps going down, 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 all the way down to the place of utter and complete desperation. So the unavoidable truth of this story for Jonah is that he turns to God because he finally realizes that he has nowhere else to turn. The unavoidable truth of this story is that Jonah finally turns to God because he realizes there's nowhere else for me to run. Like the whole first chapter is jam-packed. Read it again later on. Not now because I'm talking. Read it later. It's a whole jam-packed with all kinds of Jonah action. God says, go to Nineveh. Preach against it. And what does he do? He makes plans. He runs off. He has the resources to make it happen. So he goes to Joppa. He hires a ship. He gets on the boat. He goes down. He takes a nap. And then uh, now all of a sudden, now he's down at the end. We get to chapter 2. Because the whole thing ends in disaster when he just makes all his own decisions and does his own thing. It ends in disaster. And then we get to the second chapter and there's only Jonah stopped up in the belly of a fish at the bottom of the sea. In the second chapter, there's no Jonah action. There's nothing. There's only prayer. That's it. Maybe before we get there, we should, we should just stop. Maybe we should just stop. And maybe we should pray. Maybe we should reconnect our lives with the life of the divine, remind ourselves who God is and who we're called to be. Like when we stop running, it's finally then that we can pray. Like have you ever been so far down that you don't, you don't think you'll ever get back up again? Stop. Pray. Is it your own fault you're down that far? It's all right. It's okay. It's okay. Stop. Pray. Are you in over your head? Stop. Just stop. Pray. You have way too many responsibilities right now? Stop. Pray. Have you ever been you ever been, I mean, the old word is temptation. Ooh. Have you ever been caught up in patterns of behavior that just seem to, seem to just go on and on and on and you can't break yourself out of it? Stop. Just stop. Pray. Has it been so long in your life that you can't even remember the last time you prayed? I mean, not prayed, like at the dinner table, prayed, God is great, God is good. I mean, really prayed, poured out your life, your soul, your guts to God. I mean, really prayed. It's okay. Stop. Pray. Right? Because the great thing about God is that God is just a few words away. The great thing about God is that God is always gracious enough to listen. The great thing about God is that God wants to hear from us, that God wants to hear our prayers. Stop. Pray.
It doesn't have to be fancy either. Like it doesn't have to be. Like we all, sometimes we think we have to be good at praying before we can pray. No, no, you don't have to be good at it. You just have to talk. It doesn't have to be fancy. Author Anne Lamont talks about how her two favorite prayers are this. Help me, help me, help me. And thank you, thank you, thank you. That's it. She has a friend whose two favorite prayers are these. Whatever. Whatever. Whatever you got for me, God. Whatever it is. Whatever. And then at the end of the day, oh well. Like you had it for me and I got the whatever and it didn't happen. I wasn't very good at it. Oh well. Just be honest. It doesn't have to be flowery. It doesn't, have to, it doesn't even have to sound religious. God just wants communication. God just wants your heart. God just wants to hear from you. God just wants desires, yearns for a relationship with you. Don't wait until you're down in the belly of the fish at the bottom of the sea. Down, 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 all the way down. Don't wait. Stop. Pray. Ask somebody to pray with you. That's what Jonah does. Now, I want to point out something about this prayer that I think is fascinating. And I think it can actually help us learn how to pray if we're feeling like, I don't know how to pray. Because his prayer, if you look at it carefully enough, it's just a jumbled up mishmash of all the Psalms. The Psalms is the book of prayers. They're prayers in the Bible. I've said this before. I'll say it again. You want to learn how to pray? Read the Psalms over and over and over and over again. This prayer is just a jumbled up mess of psalms. I'll give you some examples. Listen to this. Jonah in verse 2 says, In my distress I called to the Lord and He answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help and you listened to my cry. Now here's Psalm 18. In my distress I called to the Lord. Verbatim. Psalm 120, I call on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. Psalm 130, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Listen to his prayer again. In my distress I called to the Lord. He answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help. He listened to my cry. Where did he get that? He got it from the Psalms. Listen to this, verse 3 of Jonah's prayer. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Psalm 42, deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. Almost verbatim. Verse 6 of Jonah's prayer. But you brought me up from the pit, O Lord my God. Psalm 30, O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from the pit. That's just a few of the psalm references we have here. This prayer is just a a big jumbled up mess, a mishmash of all the psalms. Just to get that. His prayer is sustained through Scripture. Like his his life is sustained through Scripture, through through the Word of God. Friends, when we're in, in desperation, it's the Word of God. It's the word of the Lord that, that has the ability to, to sort of keep us together, remind us who we are and, and who God is. But here's the thing. Jonah, Jonah found himself in desperation in the depths of the grave, right? He didn't just open up a book and start reading 
Or back then, they didn't have books. They had these big honking scrolls. He didn't take a scroll with him into the belly of the fish. That'd be too big. No room for that. He didn't have a phone he could open up. It's dark in there. Imagine how dark it is in the belly of the fish at the bottom of the sea. He couldn't just open his iPhone or whatever phone you have and have the Bible app and right there. He couldn't flip on a switch and just start reading. No, it was already in him. It was deeply embedded in his mind, in his heart, in his soul. So when the time came when he really needed it, it just came up out of him, ready on his lips. Right? And because of the word of the Lord was just in him and on his lips, he began to remember the heart of God. He began to remember just who God had revealed himself to be, a God of grace, a God of love, a God of transformation, a God of salvation. And so Jonah's on the run. He goes down, all the way down, as far down as you can go. He ends up down at the bottom of the sea in the belly of the fish. And when he finally stops, he prays. And the words of the psalmist are in his heart, they're on his mind, and they come out of his lips. When he's so desperate, he finally prays. And while Jonah is down, down, as far as he can go, we get reminded that God is up to something. What's he up to in the first chapter? What's the word associated with him? It's great. God is up to something. Even when we're down at the farthest place we can go, down, down, all the way down, God is always up to something. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Salvation, a second chance, new life. Friends, maybe right now you're down. Maybe not all the way down, but maybe close. Or maybe you're just a little bit down. Stop. Pray. God is up to something. Look for it. Wait for it. Watch for it. Maybe you're not down at all. Maybe you're up. Maybe life is fantastic. Don't wait till you go down. Just stop. And pray. Because God is up to something. When's the last time you asked yourself that question? What is God up to in my life right here right now. Don't get distracted. Just stop and pray. Don't wait. Look for it. So here's Jonah. Picture it. He's on the beach, covered in half-digested shrimp. It's gross. It stinks. It's nasty. Can you see it? Remember I said they need to make a movie out of this? They can make this look real nasty. Almost you can smell it in the theater. See it. That's where he is. On the beach, but breathing. What's next? We'll find out next week. Let's pray.